0: You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187 The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Paranormal Encounters, episode 12.
1: Why don't we dwell right into the story?
0: I think that would be delve. Oh. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs>
1: swear one day that was really hard to find a word to rhyme with 12 i could have said shelve you could have i didn't
0: but shelve's not a word either it's shelf and shelves
1: that's shelve is not a word i'll be damned all right go ahead babe (laughs) I totally bombed that one.
0: See, this is why we get reviews and, and <laughs> comments that say that I cut you off, and that I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to do.
1: No, you're just trying to keep me from sounding more dumber.
0: I mean, <laughs> I mean, somebody said the other day, they're like, "Well, I mean, I hate that you correct Tracy all the time." And I'm Ooh, like, I mean, "Well, how do you think I feel having a wife that's always wrong?"
1: Oh, <laughs> I know you didn't go there.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Maybe I do it on purpose because it makes you have to edit more.
0: Maybe so. Yeah. But, but I love Most you. people know I don't edit that out.
1: <laughs> oh, I love you, though.
0: I love you too, babe. All right. So we've got Shayla on the uh, episode a little later tonight. She's going to be the star of the show, and she has her own podcast. Her and her wife have a podcast, and it's called uh, Show Me Scares. It's a pretty cool show. We've listened to a bunch of episodes now. Uh huh. Fairly new show, but it's still really good. She's a really fun storyteller, as you guys will find out. So we'll uh listen to her a little bit later. But first, we got a couple of stories. The one I'm going to read says, As a child, I somehow became deeply religious and very early embraced the ideals of a Christian lifestyle. When my father, Thomas DeVore, died on March 2, 1934... We were living in Huntington, West Virginia, where I had been born. I was only 11 when he died, the oldest of four children. My father's last words were, please take care of Maxine. But I was haunted by the strange preoccupation. Had Dad himself been a Christian? If he had, his spirit lived. This was terribly important to me. I remember having that same kind of thought process when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, really, I I, I remember asking a priest at the church then in school, we went to Catholic school, and I remember asking the priest at mass one time if he thought my father would go to heaven because of you know I just named off a couple of things. Oh, that, you did, and, and you know, so I remember thinking those same types of things. So I just thought that was unique.
1: That's really sweet.
0: Anyways. As it turned out, actual experience taught me Dad really was a Christian. He has been with me all through the years. In late 1941, I married Herschel Ellis in Huntington, and about that same time, he was drafted into the Air Force. We learned that I was pregnant. Our son, Gary Lee, was born November 1942. And almost immediately afterward, my husband left Westoverfield, Massachusetts for overseas duty. While carrying my baby, I felt my father's presence for the first time. Aww. It was late October, and I was sitting before the fireplace reading the Bible. I glanced up at the mantel to check the time, and I found Dad standing there. His back to the fire and one arm resting on the mantle. He smiled down at me, and he looked peaceful and happy. He told me to stop worrying about him. All was well, he said. He assured me that my marriage was a good one And that soon I would present him with a grandson. He also said that my husband would come through the war without, although anxious times lay ahead. All dad's prophecies came true. About a week before my son's birth, I had a dream that remains as vivid today as it had happened last night. I dreamed that Jesus stood between my husband and my father with his arms over their shoulders. My father was holding Gary Lee in his arms as they walked towards me down a grassy knoll. The full significance of the dream came to me eight months and 22 days later. I buried my son, Gary Lee.
1: Oh no, wait.
0: I thought Daddy
1: said he was going to be okay.
0: He didn't say that about the baby. He just said that the (gasps) husband was going to make it through the war. Looking exactly as he did in that dream, and a few years later... cancer carried off my husband.
1: Oh, wait.
0: So she lost her baby and her husband a couple years later.
1: Well, Daddy lied.
0: He did not lie.
1: Oh, he just said he would come through the war or whatever. Right. Oh, my goodness.
0: In September 1960, I married again, becoming Mrs. Charles T. McConnell. We made our home in San Bernardino, and here in 1964, my father again came to me. She's, she's probably like, at this point. She's like, probably like, oh shit, you, you dad. Need, you need to <laughs> <No>. Go away. <laughs> he told me to get back to mother as soon as possible. He did not say why, but by this time I had complete faith in my father's guidance. We decided to move to Michigan, thinking it would be easy to get work there and we would be relatively close to my mother who lived with my stepfather, Elijah J. Quill in Huntington, West Virginia. About Christmas time, my stepfather suffered a severe heart attack, and after a six-week hospitalization, he died, oh, leaving Mother alone. She wanted to stay in Huntington, but now she too became ill and could, couldn't be left alone. After I found this house in Berkeley, she joined me in November 1965. Since then, I've seen Dad twice, once while Mother was in the hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan, After a heart attack and again in 1966, whenever trouble looms and I feel I don't know where I'm going or what I'm going to do, dad comes. No one can tell me there is no survival after so-called death. And that was from Maxine in Berkeley, Michigan.
1: Wow, what a story. That's really sad all those things happened to her, though.
0: But if, if you listen closely... Right at the time he came, she said she saw Jesus with his arm yep. around. So
1: that pretty much, the, she probably pretty much knew then what the outcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She saw but she saw the arm around her, her husband and her dad, and her dad was holding the baby. So that's why the dream made sense later is because both of them were going to pass away and then they would be with mm. Jesus according to her Aww. belief.
1: That's a touching story. It was
0: touching. That's what I do. I find touching stories.
1: Well, I'd give anything to see, well, if nothing it was bad to come out of it, but to see my dad standing there and my mama be amazing. Maybe one day. Wow. Well, that was a good story. So. Crap. Now it's your turn. Now I'm going to talk about a cold touch. <laughs> From heartwarming to a cold touch, just like that. <laughs> One of my earliest memories is of a ghostly experience involving my aunt and me. My mom and dad had just moved into a house that had been used as a parsonage near a little country church. Sounds lovely. They boxed off half of the long back porch and made it into a small bedroom for me. From the back window, you could see the little graveyard beside the church. On the night my aunt came to visit, there was one new grave, completely covered with fresh-cut flowers. My aunt decided to sleep with me since we had no extra beds and my room was the coldest one in the house. Of course, she looked out the window and saw the flower-covered grave. Who was just buried, she asked my mother. You didn't know her, my mother said. She and her husband moved from here after you went away. She died in childbirth. Her husband took the baby back to his family in Ohio right after the funeral. Hmm that's sad with a cool breeze blowing through the open windows my aunt and i fell asleep immediately i don't know what woke us but both of us were suddenly awake then the coldest thing i have ever felt touched my shoulder i began crying at a full volume and my aunt reached over to comfort me the cold hand touched her arm and she began to scream Her scream made the thing let go, and Mom and Dad ran into the room to see what was happening. "'Something was in our room,' my aunt told them. "'I've never felt anything so cold.' "'There's nothing here now,' my mother said, trying to soothe us. But then we saw Dad bend down and pick something up. "'I wonder how this got in here,' he said. He held up a fresh funeral flower for us to see. We wondered if that poor dead mother had come looking for her baby.' And I wonder what would have happened to me if my aunt had not been there. And that is from Lonnie in Middletown, Kentucky. Oh, wow! Yeah. Wow. Will you protect me <laughs>
0: from if what? a ghost
1: comes up in here?
0: Well, if it's like any place else, we have been, you'll say there's a ghost here, and I'll say I didn't see anything.
1: I know, but I don't know why you don't <laughs> see these things, babe.
0: I see stuff. I just don't see those things. I don't see the stuff you see. Well, you see? No, I mean, an occasion I've I've seen or felt something, but it's not been like at the times when you've seen them. I don't know. Like I said I didn't feel anything in the Sally House, and I've seen the, you know felt a couple of things when we were at Waverly, but not when you would expect it, like when I was in room five hundred two all by myself.
1: Yeah, nothing. I know. Absolutely. And that's is so bizarre to me.
0: So I don't know.
1: Maybe they don't know about your shiny head.
0: Maybe not. Maybe they don't it's
1: know. It's a they different version of it. The Shining. Yeah. Well, that was a good story.
0: Yeah, that was a really cool story. All right, speaking of cool stories, let's listen to Shayla's. All right, Miss Shayla. Hey guys, welcome back to Paranormal Encounters. Tonight we got a uh, fun guest on. This is Shayla, her and her wife, Terry, our host of the Show Me Scares podcast. They're based out of Missouri, thus the Show Me, because it is the Show Me State. We've talked uh, a couple of times about podcasts and this and that, and I'm glad that their show is up and running now. they got six, seven, eight episodes up by the time you hear this. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So without further ado, we've got one of the hosts, Shayla, has come on because she's going to tell us some of her paranormal encounters. Welcome to the show, Shayla.
2: Hey, Jerry. Thank you.
0: Now, Shayla... Yeah, we're going to talk about your podcast when we finish up with your stories, because I think the people listening are going to want to hear your show. It's it's a really good show, especially for a new show. It comes across a little more polished than most new shows, so we don't ever steer people wrong when it comes to show suggestions, and this will not be one of those times where we're wrong, so it's a good show. You've got two stories, and we're going to start with one that involves a dream you had that... Um, Sounds like it was a little more than a coincidence on some of the stuff that happened. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to you.
2: Yeah, maybe. So when I was growing up, I lived with my grandparents and I call them Nana and Papa because that's what you do. And I was maybe 16, 17. I was a teenager. My Nana, first of all, is frightful. She's terrified of everything, literally everything. And she was very careful when she would go to bed at night to lock all the doors, to check them twice, and, you know, make sure no murderers could get in, I guess. We lived in the middle of nowhere, so I don't know.
0: Tracy's the so, same way. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm the same way now, so I guess I can't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> so one evening, it was a weekend, I guess, I had stayed up late after they had gone to bed. Watching television, something. I know I wasn't scrolling Facebook because Facebook was not a thing. (laughs) 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 I'm watching television, what have you. After a couple hours, I decide to call it a night and go to bed. So I go to sleep. Sometime in the night, I have this dream, this terrifying dream. And the best way I can describe it is I felt as if I was a video camera floating through the house You know how sometimes you're in a dream and you're there, but you're not there. You can see it all, but you're not part of it.
0: Yeah, like an out-of-body experience type thing.
2: Yes. So I float, is the best way I can describe it, out of my room and into the kitchen. The back door was in the kitchen and outside the back door was an enclosed porch. Well, the back door swings open. And in walks a man. He's more like a shadow. I can't see details of him. He's completely black, like a black mass in the shape of a man. But I could tell he was wearing a bowler's hat. He was very tall and just gave off this powerful strength kind of essence. He doesn't mind me at all, which that's what I mean by not being a part of it. He walks straight through our kitchen and steps up. You had to step up to go into the living room. And then he sits in the recliner and he just sits there. That's it. This strange man. And I float into the room and I'm watching him and he's just sitting there. And in I'm thinking, we're all sleeping and this guy is just sitting in our living room (laughs) It's very creepy, but he didn't do anything. I think if he would have, you know, tried to murder us, it would have been less creepy because that's a normal bad dream. (laughs) I wake up and I am terrified, just don't even know what to do. But I don't think that I was really awake. Like, I definitely wasn't going to go check. I know that much. I fall back asleep and the next morning now comes bursting in my room yelling at me and I'm trying to wake up thinking what is going on and I finally get awake enough and I understand what she's saying. She is mad at me because I left the back door open hmm. and I know I never went out that door. I had to walk right past it to go to my bedroom. We couldn't explain it. I even, I told her what happened and my dream and you know i dreamed somebody walked through that door and left it standing open and you tell me it's open when you get up i don't know how to explain it i don't know we had things happen in that house from time to time but it was never consistent we never felt like it was you know a haunted house so that just was something i couldn't really explain
0: well that would definitely be kind of eerie i would think
2: yeah, just him just sitting there like being while while we're sleeping. Ugh.
0: Maybe you just had like a bigger TV than he had at his, you know, ghost house.
2: <laughs> we did have a giant TV, you know, the the old ones. Yeah, that like were like the big as a room. Yeah, we had one of those, so that makes <laughs> sense, actually.
0: <laughs> You've got another story. Yes, and and this involves you living alone. Which is always uh-huh. scary if you start hearing sounds and stuff like that. So tell me about that incident.
2: So it was about five years ago. This was right around the time that Terry and I got together. It was it was beforehand, but that's my frame of reference. And in the house next to me, there was a single mother, and she had like seven kids, tons of kids. Did she live in a shoe? Younger...
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: The, the younger kids hung out at my house all the time. I love kids, and so I would have games, and we would do karaoke nights and to have big fun time. So the kids were there a lot. But there were a few times when I would be sitting on the couch, when I first started noticing things. I would be sitting on the couch, I would be at the computer working, and I would just feel a breeze on my face. Just lightly. And just enough, I would notice it. And it happened frequently. I would just pass it off as it was nothing. And a breeze could be anything. Eventually, I start noticing that I'm hearing giggles and what sounds like a little girl singing or a child anyway. To me, I'm thinking, well, there's like a million kids living next door. So that's probably what that is. One weekend, they're gone camping. All the kids and their mom are gone and I hear this giggling and this singing. I can tell it's coming from my bedroom or the hallway in front of my bedroom. So I walk from the living room and check things out. Nobody's there and I know that kids are gone and at that time I got this scent of flowery soap and I recognized it at that time because I had had that hit me before out of nowhere. And it hadn't dawned on me that maybe it was connected until right then. I just pass it off again. And I've always been into the paranormal, but the thought of something being in my home when I lived alone was just too creepy for me. I get <laughs> so that. I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to face that. Every time something would happen new, I would just shake it off, just go on and not think anything of it. One evening, I guess it was probably afternoon because I was um, getting ready to lie down for a nap and I had crawled into bed. I'm laying there with my back to the bedroom door and facing the wall and I just got that hair standing up, eerie feeling. I thought I need, I I need to turn around and look, but I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Right outside my bedroom door was that hallway it it just my bedroom was at the end so you could look right down the hallway and I thought something is in the hallway something I feel something and so I finally just turned around and looked and there was a little girl standing in my doorway she was not facing me she was looking down the hallway and she had dark brown hair with curls down her back she had a blue dress with white tights and a white ribbon belt. And she was just as real as anybody standing in my doorway. Like, I hear a lot of people talk about apparitions and seeing them, and they say, you know, they were translucent or whatever. And th- she was not. She was 100% real to me at that moment. But she never moved. She never said anything. She never turned to look at me, nothing like that. And then you know how it is when you take your eyes off and look back, they're gone. (laughs) And that's how that went. She was gone whenever I looked again. And so I kind of feel like she might've been a residual because she really didn't ever interact with me in any way. Um, I would just hear her. I would smell her. And then I saw her. So, I don't think that she was likely intelligent. I think she might've been residual and I've meant to do, you know, the history on the house and see what I could find out, but I was renting at the time. So that's a little difficult, especially in our town with (laughs) tiny town and no records, but. Well, there you go. Yeah.
0: And no other sightings after that?
2: No, there wasn't. And, but after I saw her the one time, you know, anytime I heard the giggles or smelled the, the flowery smell, I would just, you know, think, well, there she is. And I never named her, or called out to her or anything because I didn't want anything to start up Right, <laughs> being there by myself.
0: <laughs> I'm not really scared right now, but I don't really don't want to be scared in the future either.
2: Precisely.
0: <laughs> All right, Shayla, take a few minutes and tell us about show me scares podcast
2: sure so show me scares we do a little bit of paranormal a little bit of true crime we really like to be able to visit the places that we talk about i know that probably won't always be the case but we're starting fairly local in missouri at the moment, we're able to travel to these places, have our own experiences, and then come back and tell about that. It's just a different feel when you have actually been in the place and experienced it yourself. And so that was something really important for us to be able to bring to it. And then the true crime aspect, I enjoy digging through old newspaper archives. So I do a lot of that. I research old papers probably late 1800s early 1900s for a while we just look up some crazy cases and there a lot of crazy stuff happened then especially we found a lot of botched executions and stuff that can get pretty brutal sometimes but that's really what we like we we like to look into just really creepy stuff and starting centralized in Missouri for the time being until we reach out a little more. We're getting ready to take a trip to the Crescent Hotel. So Nice. We will, yes. We're, I've been there a few times, but I've never stayed. And this time we've actually got the haunted room, so we can cover that too.
0: <laughs> now you guys are coming to Louisville for the show and going to Waverly in April too, correct?
2: Yes, I am beyond excited about that. You know, Waverly is that place for everybody. Um, Anytime that we talk with anyone on the podcast, we ask, what's your bucket list paranormal location? And we've gotten that every time so far. Granted, we're still new and we haven't had that many, but yeah, that's the one place everybody wants to go. And that's been for me as well. And then you guys happen to be having a show and I said, this is perfect. You know, I get to finally go to, a Hibley Horror Story show and totally fangirl out on you all (laughs) before I get to go to the, you know, one of the greatest paranormal locations in the country.
0: You'll be fairly disappointed in our part. You'll love uh, Waverly.
2: Oh, I doubt
0: it. See, the thing of it is if, if, uh, and I don't know what your traveling itinerary is going to be like, but if you were able to come down the day before on Friday, and we're staying in Louisville, Bobby Mackey's is literally only an hour from there, and they're open on Fridays and Saturday nights. It'd be almost impossible to do Saturday night because of the Waverly tour. You could almost hit Friday night Bobby Mackey's and do their tour, because they do tours at, at nighttime, they're the 30-minute tours, and do Waverly the next night, and you could really have the Kentucky twofer.
2: Oh, yeah, that'd be great. We are coming Friday, so that would actually work out well. <laughs>
0: So that'd be awesome. And, and like I said, if it's something you want to do, you can let us know and maybe uh, Tracy and I go up there with you. So you would not buy Oh, that would
2: answer. be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. How can uh, people keep up with you on social media?
2: So we are Show Me Scares on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. And then you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts. Show Me Scares.
0: So before I let you go, I do have one question I always ask of podcasters or paranormal investigators. Of the shows you've done so far, what's the favorite topic that you covered?
2: Oh, my. Well, we did one very close to me because I've loved it for years was Missouri State Penitentiary. Hmm. We actually, we had so much information and so much research that I had done for years that it ended up being a two-parter. So the first part's kind of a history and the second part being the hauntings. We kind of had to go with that because I just couldn't in my heart cut anything (laughs) (laughs) because I do love that location so much. It's just living, living history right here. I definitely love that one.
0: Share sure a few aspects one. from that show, because I've heard one podcast on, I think Graveyard Tales did one on the Missouri State Penitentiary. We've looked at it, but haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. So this would be new to our listeners. Give us a couple of the uh, haunting aspects.
2: Sure. So the oldest building on the property is Housing Unit 4, also called A-Hall. And in the basement area of A-Hall is the dungeon cells And that's pretty much the paranormal hotspot. We went to visit Missouri State Penitentiary. Unfortunately, that building had gotten tornado damage, and we wasn't allowed in there, which was the down. But that area has the smell of body odor. So these men would be, some of them, some reports say they would be packed in these cells, 15 men to a cell. And so there's the scent of body odor, which makes total sense. Sure. That they were in complete darkness. They would lose their minds in there. There was reports of some of the lady tour guides would see a man with half a face, which is terrifying. There's a lot of breathing down your neck, um, feelings of that, and just the common feeling of dread and sorrow, which would make sense in a place like that for sure. Absolutely. Yes, and then there's the women's cell block. So they housed women until 1926. I think 1842 is when the first woman came. And in that cell block, after the prisoners had been moved, after the women had been moved out, there was actually a prisoner there who would claim to have a woman visit him every night, and he was terrified of her. And he would hang sheets in his cell to block her out and eventually he was buying all kinds of lights and pointing them at one corner so that he could sleep in that corner he said that he would wake up in the middle of the night with her standing over him Eventually, he was moved whenever the prison was um, decommissioned and they moved the prisoners out. He never had a problem after that. They, of course, assumed that it was mental illness or something, but he he never had an issue after he had been moved out of MSP. So it does seem like there was something there. And there has been a lot of reports of a gray lady um, in MSP from... COs and visitors alike have seen her
0: that's awesome shayla thank you so much mm-hmm. for sharing that that's a good sample of what the show's like so sure uh, yes <laughs> if, if you like what you heard uh, go check them out show me spirits we'll talk to you soon i'll see you in april
2: thank you i'm looking forward to it
0: shayla's story i thought was interesting just because of the fact that you know, all these different occurrences happen in a grandparent's home. Yeah. And I think what I, because, well, and of course, she was raised by her grandparents, You're so right. it wouldn't exactly like visiting. But, you know, when you think about visiting your grandparents as a youth, that's usually like one of the fondest memories you have. And you Man. can imagine if the house that the, you visited them in was haunted.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I told you that story about when I spent the summers with my grandmother mm-hmm. and we didn't go back to school till Labor Day. And it was the best, best, best time I've ever had in my life and but the 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 friends we always played with was in a house across the road and it was like one of these roads that were sort of like a cul-de-sac like you could only go so far but uh you know and I told that story about being over there at their house and that dishpan just flying up I'll never forget that as long as I live (laughs) I mean it was like the most bizarre thing but again I did not remember that until I got into all this and it just kind of brings up stuff but you know, I think I think my grandmother's house is probably haunted as well. It was old as you know could be, but
0: you know, you, you talk about that, and and I can remember once I started dealing with my parents' haunted house, it brought back memories of when I was like five years old in the house that my great grandmother used to own. Mm-hmm. That that uh, she passed away, and my we lived there when I was like five years old. But I can remember a couple of occurrences that happened there mm-hmm. that I didn't even think about. Until later, when I was like, you know what? I know, isn't that the craziest thing? Yeah, because I, I can remember walking into, you know, this was back in the day as the 16 ounce, non, or the 16 ounce returnable bottles. Oh, so. yeah,
1: when well, you drink them, go get your money. And yeah. I can
0: remember my mom gave me one, asked me to take it into the kitchen. And I can remember walking into the kitchen and turn, and there was something right there. And I remember dropping it. I saw it, it scared me, and I dropped it. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it looked like. I just remember there was something there, and it had to have been a ghost. And there was other experiences in that house. You know, TV would turn off and on by itself. Yeah. and stuff like that. And this wasn't like, this was like pre-remote days. Oh, God, These yeah. were the buttons on the, or the the knobs on the TV that were like the ones on right. the car doors mm-hmm. that you push up or push down.
1: Oh, yeah. They were mm-hmm. like
0: that. You mm-hmm. pulled it out to turn the TV on. You pushed it in and turned <laughs> it off. <laughs> oh, my so, I mean, it wasn't something that would just turn off and on right. by itself. You had, you to, had to push it. them in. Mm-hmm. And it would be physically pushed in. I can remember that, but I didn't think anything of that. You know, I just, I'd, I'd turn it on. It was Saturday. That's when they used to play cartoons on Saturday. You get up. You flip it on, you're watching cartoons, commercial comes on, you go in the kitchen, you fix yourself a bowl of cereal, you come back and the TV's off. And you just, you don't think, you just turn it back on, no big deal.
1: So what'd your mom say when you dropped that bottle? I mean, what, did it break? Uh,
0: no, no. Hell, those things were...
1: thick as I know, yeah. believe me, I've been hit between the eyes with one. I know. But...
0: Wait, how did you get hit by between the my eyes?
1: My sister, Susie, <laughs> was so <laughs> hateful and mean to me, and I'm four years older than she is. She was so hateful and mean to me. We got into a, an argument one time, and she took one of those damn Coke bottles and hit me right between the eyes. And let me tell you, I saw stars for a long time. So
0: did she, like, hold it by the narrow end and hit yes. you with it, or did she throw it at you? Oh, no.
1: She held it by the narrow end and whopped me right on my head. <laughs> and it hurt like a bitch. <laughs> it, I, you know, it did. It, it really hurt. Mom, how, how, she always did that crap. How anyway. old
0: were y'all when this happened?
1: Um, Probably, I was probably... Twelve, and she was probably six, or no, twelve. Sorry, no. So I don't know how that math works. Eight, 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 eight. <laughs> yeah,
0: said she's four years younger. I was twelve. She was probably. Six. Look, I
1: have a lot of I have a lot of reasons why my mind is the way it
0: is. <laughs> when
1: I was a baby, my mom told me we we would be walking across the street in Williamstown, and back in they had those satin blankets. Yeah. She said she was crossing across <laughs> town, and I slid <laughs> out of the blanket onto the damn highway. My mom dropped me on the floor. I mean, on the highway. Okay, that's one good thing. I drank gasoline one time. What? I thought it was Orange Crush. My dad and him was working on a car, and they had drained the gas into a crush bottle. And For some reason, I thought it was a soft drink, and I chugged it, and my dad about freaked out. He was feeding me beer, milk, everything he could get in my system to make me throw up before he had to take me to the emergency room. I've had many things happen to me in my life. I got electrocuted at the house. I had to go to the hospital for that.
0: How'd you get electrocuted? Something, why am I never hearing about that? I don't toys? know.
1: Something dad was working on. Of course, you know, he's like, don't touch it. It'll shock you. And it knocked me on my butt. I was like seven years old. Knocked me on my butt. So then I had to go to the hospital for that. It's just so many things. I have total excuses for why my brain don't work.
0: <laughs> I remember, I, I think it was Cheryl. It might have been you. I get ex-wives and stuff mixed up. <laughs> but I think she told me about a time where her mom left her at a store when she was like seven.
1: Oh, no, my mom didn't do that.
0: Like she, they they loaded everybody up in the car and left. Oh, God, no. Left and realized that they, that she wasn't there and they oh, left, her in the, and left her at the store.
1: <laughs> See, now I don't know if that's worse or my mom dropping me in the middle of the road. I don't know that's a tie that's a toss up right there yeah. all right good old days good old days
0: all right guys thank you so much we'll see you next week
1: <laughs> love y'all